You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. exciting news. I built an app. I know, right? Crazy. It's called the one-on-one app where we help you become 1% better together. It's an app that helps you break down your goals, achieving your habits and incremental steps. And it helps you celebrate your progress and your momentum with streaks, check-ins, milestones. And with our multi-dimensional approach to a balanced lifestyle, we really help you become 1% better together. So go download it. It's a free app. It'll be linked below. It's only for iOS right now. We're working on getting it in Google Play. But I really believe that this is a -a one-of-a-kind mental health and wellness app that is truly groundbreaking. To give you some like perspective, it's like Noom, but for habit building. And I'm really excited to share this with you. And I'm really excited to get your feedback. So if you download it, you enjoy it, leave us a review. Thank you so much. And on to the episode. Have you downloaded Threads yet? Okay, I'm obsessed. And this is where I've been spending a lot of my time. So if you haven't already, go ahead and follow me on threads at Unstucked. And I've been having a lot of conversations, both constructive and unhinged. So if you want all of the above, make sure you follow us on threads at Unstucked. Have you ever wondered what it's like being a solopreneur in the content creation space? Today's guest, Nicole Mallet, is a New England-based UGC creator and lifestyle content creator who I've watched transition from being a web strategist into being a full-time content creator. Today, we unpack what it's like to work with brands on the UGC front, her free offerings, and we explore the ups and downs of being a solopreneur in the content creation space. I know you're going to get a ton of value out of this. Now on to the episode. Nicole, finally, I get you on the show. (laughs) It's been in the works for a bit. Here we are. Here we are. You know, I've had so many conversations with people who like I'm meeting for the first time on the podcast. So it's so refreshing to like talk to a familiar face. Today, I'm just really excited because you're someone that as I watch your content, you're very real in terms of like what it takes to not only like break into the creator space, but also what it takes to break into entrepreneurship and carve your own lane. And contrary to what TikTok and Instagram would have you believe, it's a little bit challenging. So I'm excited to dive into that today. But for folks that are new, tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, what you do, all that good stuff. Sure. So my name is Nicole. I'm a New England-based online entrepreneur. Do a little bit of web strategy, some social media work, do some UGC or user-generated content. I'll get more into that later, I'm sure. I've been an entrepreneur since 2021. Very exciting. Coming up on my second year very soon. I wish I could say it gets easier, but sometimes it gets harder. (laughs) (laughs) Especially like I've worn so many hats during my entrepreneurship. It's so much easier to make the pivot every time because it's like, I've done this before, but it's so much harder because then you get scared of like, am I losing my credibility? But then you're just like, I don't give a fuck anyways. I probably don't want to work with them if they don't like that. So it's, oh my God, be more real. Like, It's totally this inner dialogue that you have of like all of these scenarios. But at the end of the day, like most people are either seeing your content for the very first time or they've already kind of positioned you as someone that is a thought leader or is just in their space. And so they're like just wanting to support. The thing that you're talking about that I'd love to dive into and I will get into creators and challenges and whatnot, but just being multi-passionate. This is something that I've noticed has really started to enter into 
not only just like thought conversations, but even like I, when I look this up, like being multi-passionate and how you delegate that. That is something that's been really hard even growing up when you're told like, hey, focus on one thing. Or if you chase three rabbits, you catch nothing. Like I've heard so many analogies to distract me from being multi-passionate, but I've decided to ignore everyone and just, I guess, make the mistake they're all afraid of me making, which is focusing on too many things. My experience has been that it actually helps me deepen my knowledge and figure out what I like and don't like. What's been your experience being multi-passionate and kind of like going through these different career paths? I find it's just fun to go down all these rabbit holes. Like it's so fun. Like humans are naturally curious. And so it makes me mad when others try to stifle that. There's a reason why you have all these passions. Like why not lean into them? And if things change, things change. That's kind of the beauty of life is you can restart as many times as you want. Yeah, it's so true. Especially with like the SCOTUS ruling of like the student loan forgiveness being thrown in the trash. Like this, well, two generations of people being told like, go after this one thing. And like, if you don't, you're going to be homeless. Like you're going to be working at, you know, McDonald's or whatever. Like they're still struggling if you focus on one thing. So it can literally pay to be multi-passionate. The ironic part is there are not only undergrads, but MBAs who work at McDonald's. And working at McDonald's is not a bad thing. I wish I had the vocabulary back then to like say that out loud. Like I've read so many stories of people who've worked fast food and made it. It is very interesting how now we're older and can kind of unpack some of that, you know, fear and propaganda. Oh, 100%. It just makes me laugh now. (laughs) Literally. I know, right? It's like... Because now I think the biggest thing that helps with being multi-passionate, to your point, is exploring. The number one reason why people feel stuck is they stop exploring. They think that this is the life that they need to live. They think that by trying something new, it's too risky. There's a lot of things that enter into the airwaves. But what I noticed about a year and a half ago, you know, one of my big slogans is just get started for two minutes. Like what I noticed is all of those fears are very unfounded. And now I'm like what I call a Swiss army knife. Like you can plug me in anywhere and I can find my way around. And I think that is the crux of being multi-passionate and caveats really, really nicely into being a creator. And that's something that we're starting to notice. You know, this ADHD generation, this 90s, early 2000 generation is multi-passionate. So I just want to walk us through this because I there's so much that I want to unpack with you. But the first thing is, So when I met Nicole, she was very much and still is a thought leader, an expert web strategist. I've gotten a ton of value from you. Um, I've even approached you for opportunities and working with HFK, and you've given us a ton of value there. And I've noticed now like there's a focus on UGC. Talk us through like one, why you got started in web strategy and tell us about maybe some of the struggles and upside of kind of making a pivot to kind of doing multiple things. So what got me into UGC was small business owners had no idea what to work on first when it came to digital marketing. And there's so many facets of it that they don't realize that they could tap into. Like SEO is huge. And there are so many people that'll tell you, oh, you don't have to worry about that right now. That's like building a house without a foundation. Just not smart. It will crumble if you don't have these foundational like aspects of your digital marketing. Like Learning the basics of email marketing. So many sales are made via email. If someone subscribes to your emails, they really like you. To keep you in their inbox, that's huge. I'm always unsubscribing from emails. Anytime a corporation makes me mad, unsubscribe. But people love to tap into small business emails. So like getting that down, knowing social media, like the basics, like 
It's those foundational steps that small business owners don't know about, don't understand, and don't have the time to do themselves. So that's what got me into web strategy. What got me into UGC is that UGC is really for big brands that actually have marketing budgets. So I'm not even going to lie. Like, I just turned 26. My health insurance runs out at 11.59 tonight. I need the money. Oh my gosh. But, but... Learning the web strategy makes me a better UGC creator because I know the basics, the foundations, and even like SEO is super complicated, but I know on page like social media SEO to help make UGC that much more effective. I don't see my pivots as like wasted time at all. I've gained so many valuable skills through each pivot that I can now use to make UGC content. And you nailed it. And that's the part that I think was always left out of the narrative. My earliest example of entrepreneurship is my dad. My dad started as an architect in residential, and he would go flip homes, and he would go, you know, do these really beautiful projects. And I remember this pain point. He was like, man, there's just always that, like, one or two people that would, like, come in and ridicule my work. And I remember just being like, man, I just want to move to commercial because big corporations don't care so much about the details. And that's exactly what he did. But just like you just so eloquently described. He learned so much from the residential side that now applies to commercial. And that's the part of the conversation that's always left out about multi-passionate entrepreneurs, creators, is that we have such a breadth of knowledge that's so valuable that we don't only see the piece you're hiring me for, I see everything that's connected to it. So I know that you're really good at that. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, it's just like when you're applying for like a nine to five, you don't list out like this is what I did in my job. You list out the skills that you gained and how you can apply them to a new position. Like that's kind of how I see like every pivot of like, okay, this is what I did, but this is what I learned and what I can apply to this new pivot. So it's not like, oh, I wrote copy for social media posts. It's no, I researched like different industries. Like I learned SEO, like to beef up the copy. Like you just have to go deeper. It's like an onion. You just got to peel it back. Like an onion, you have to peel it back. And the piece where I will like side with the naysayers we're kind of going at is that something that I had to reckon with is that you have to be an expert in something as a starting block. I think it's okay to like get started and try a lot of things, but I've watched people get stuck in that phase and never go deep. I've watched you go deep on web strategist. I went deep in product. I think it's really important. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, well guys, like I do a bunch of nothing but a lot of, you know, like Nicole asked me how I was doing. And I was like, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff, but a whole bunch of nothing at the same time. <laughs> like you can get trapped in that. And so I think the best step is to pick something that you really, really like. Like for me, it was like building products. Like I always just loved that process. It's crazy, it's chaotic, and I live for it. And so that's where I cornered myself. But now I am in digital marketing. I I, I pretty much can do it, do it all. I will give myself a pat on the back here. So I think that as you listen to this, that's really, really important is to start somewhere. Now that you have, you know, almost two years as a creator, I know that like being multi-passionate, doing all these things, like when you're listening to us right now, it seems really fun and exciting. But what are some of those challenges that like aren't spoken about as you were pivoting, as you were looking at how you can translate your skills to these different areas? Like what were some of those challenges? I think with every pivot, asking yourself, like, why are you doing this? Mm. And then you have to get really real with yourself. You almost kind of have to do like, Gabby, if you're listening, you'll totally resonate with this, I feel (laughs) like. But like a lot of like deep shadow work and like, like I got very into like spiritual, like woo-woo 
type shit to learn more about myself, but also like it was just way more honest, more honest conversations I was having with myself. You learn just how much your childhood impacts everything you do as an adult when you become an entrepreneur tenfold, I feel like. It's so true. It's so true. For me, it was scarcity mindset. I was raised by a single mother and what stopped me in the pandemic from ultimately starting when I started in 2021 was like, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. Instead of putting that away for a day or a week or a month and thinking, how can I get creative with what I do have and be grateful for what I do have? I think gratitude is a huge piece within this. And to your wonderful point, like doing the shadow work and, and learning kind of what what works and what doesn't, and asking that really, really pivotal question of why. The reason I started this podcast, I remember sitting right here on my daybed thinking about like, okay, if I got a $50 million check in the mail and I had to do nothing else, what would I do with my time? Of course, I would travel. Of course, I would donate, give back, spend more time with my family. But I would want to talk to people. I would want to interview people. And it was such a weird thing that like I landed on. So I wanted to just circulate asking why of yourself often is a really great way to to continue and get through those hard times. Yeah. And I think too, like going back to like, why am I doing UGC? Like it's okay to do things solely because you need the money. I don't want to like negate that. I guess to talk on your point of like your own childhood experiences, I grew up very privileged. Like I'm white, I'm cis. My dad could have supported us on his own and we would have been very comfortable, but my mom also worked. And I almost feel like pressure to maintain Like I had no student loans from my bachelor's degree. I have some plenty from my master's degree if anyone wants some. (laughs) But but it's almost like this pressure to like maintain that. Yeah. So no, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm very, very, very thankful for how I grew up. I don't want to say like, oh my God, like it's so much pressure to like wanna have like a ton of money. Like that sucks. Like (laughs) No, I love it. And this is like it's so true. I think like that's something that I'm really honest with the audience about what I make, where we're at, you know, the need to make pivots for money. I mean, right now, I'm right where you're at, where it's like, I don't want to ask my community, my listeners to purchase things. There are things for purchase. Don't get me wrong. That's great. Love it. Those of you guys want to buy the budgeting guide that's there, like do that by all means. But also there's a way to get creative with working with corporations or working with startups that have bigger budgets so you can reinvest back into your community. You can teach them what's working. You can give them tools that work. And so I appreciate you stopping on that note because I think it's really important. Like majority of what we do, obviously, hashtag capitalism is to continue to live and survive. I wish we all got universal basic income where we could just do what we loved. But I think that is a huge component of this equation. And I teach about finance often. And I think a big piece of creator entrepreneurship struggle is money. Talk a little bit more about the mental health struggles and talk about that potential like imposter syndrome that finances can cause because that's one of if not the biggest stressor for Americans is finances so entering this field that like isn't guaranteed money every two weeks is hard I mean I I think I touched upon this earlier like I just turned 26 the time is ticking on my health insurance so like of course there's stress like I'm gonna have an extra few hundred dollars I'm gonna have to pay each month plus like the student loan interest is gonna kick back in and I want to kick that to the curb as much as possible but like also doing the math of like okay if I pay the minimum, I'm still going to accrue a fuck ton of interest. So I have to pay more than the minimum. So that's more money each month. 
And it's like, you're sitting there doing math. It's like, well, this will work out in the long term, but like short term, this sucks. And like, you kind of get like sucked into that of like, okay, so what can I do to make a couple hundred bucks? Like, what can I do to do this? And it's almost distracting. In some ways you have to think of the money and in some ways you can't even let that be a factor. Especially if you're making a pivot, you have to meet your bottom line every month or else shit's going to hit the fan. But at the same time, like, you have to do the work to make sure that you're in that scarcity mindset as little as possible. Because if you're there, you're never going to break from that. It's almost like you're creating your own glass ceiling. Yeah. Which like as a woman, like I don't want to do that to myself. Like society is already going to do that to me. Like I don't want to add to that. Oh my God. That, I'm not going to leave you there to do those gymnastics on your own. The amount of times that I've struggled <laughs> with like being a frugal, lean business owner and being an abundant business owner. If you fig- if anyone listening to this or even you, Nicole, figure that out, like shoot me an email on how, because it's really <laughs> hard. I look at this like I look at everything else. Really, I equate it to how I look at discipline and consistency, which have the same types of triggers, in my opinion. People think they need to think about or do money, manage money all the time. And really, the key is checking in with yourself more often than not. Like you mentioned, it goes back to having your own mission or having what you're building toward. I make time to budget. I make time to project. But I also make time for my woo-woo boards over here of everything I want and the money that I'd like to see and the clients I'd like to work with and making sure that I have constant reminders of it. So you struck such a chord with like, and I don't think it's spoken about enough, like Being realistic versus being optimistic is a huge thing. And it's really hard to do when you're out on your own. A hundred percent. Because it's not like you have, like you said, that security of like once a week or once every two weeks, like that check coming in. So I used to be a teacher. Every two weeks, that check would come in. It'd be a small one, but I got it. (laughs) And sometimes I'm like, well, I could go back. I have the degree. And I'm like, well, was I actually like happy at the end of the day? Probably not. Is it worth it? No. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so... With this journey, and I and I hear it on you too, like when you do get paid or when you in the entrepreneur creator space, like there's there's this level of like dopamine that I wish I could put into words that you've created your own income stream, even if it's 200 bucks, you know? You almost have to like, not that you can't celebrate that, but you also kind of have to move past that too. <sighs> I know. Do we have to? Can we just stay in this moment <laughs> forever and celebrate? I feel like that's why like, my business coach, Ashley Cruz, she's always like, what are you going to do to celebrate? I need to create like a celebration routine so I can have my moment and then move on. Just at me. Like that's (laughs) something that I struggle with constantly. I was named Insider 23, creator economy experts and market. Like I was on the news and I find myself like on the couch after all this, just like on the phone with my PR manager and my copywriter, like, okay, what's next? And they're like, what? And my friend, Tori Dunlap, you know, I'll share this, like she's a New York Times instant bestseller. And like when that happened, we had the same moment where I knew what she was thinking. Like I knew what she was going through. It was like, okay, I can do this victory lap right now, but like bills are due in two more weeks, three more weeks. And like, I have to keep going. So honestly, I appreciate you stopping there too. Cause this is like, I wrote that down. Like I need to like do that, like creating a system to celebrate wins. So when your system's at the best, what does that look like for you to like stop and celebrate? When it's at your best, I'm not saying it always, it has to be right now, but like when it is, or when you look at that system, like how do you celebrate wins if that's something that's hard for folks listening to do? I think in the past, I probably would have said like, I would have a glass of wine and like whatever. Not that I'm like cutting out alcohol, but I don't want to make that a habit because 
I do see myself being like very successful where that would happen often. I don't want to create a problem. So I'm kind of in the same boat of like trying to find like a very healthy celebration routine. You know, in in this area, I delegate (laughs) candidly. Like my wife's really good at that. When I have good news, she's always like, well, let's go eat. Let's go do something. Like, let's go celebrate. And so that's been my hack right now. But yeah, I, I think it's really, really important to celebrate those wins and also to like write them down because they're gone in a week. You forget about it in a week. And then when you are at the end of the year and you're like, what did I do this year? You can look back at that list. Screenshot it. I have a folder on my phone called Banked. Anytime I see someone else winning that like resonates with me, or if I have a win, I screenshot it and I save it in my banked folder. Oh, that's so smart. That's easy. And you're always on your phone. So like, it's like Mm -hmm. a no brainer. But yeah, this, again, this space of creators and just being an entrepreneur is a game of trial and error. And like science, like I look at it like a science, like I think growing up, that was a huge influence on me because my mom married a brain surgeon. And so like watching him, I see a lot of similarities now where he's so focused on the cure as entrepreneurs and curators, like we're so focused on hitting our goal that we forget that this is the journey, like this is it. So thank you for really highlighting that. When you look forward to this year, as you've made the pivot, what are some of the exciting things on the horizon that you're looking to try to accomplish in the UGC space and our web strategy space? I just want to start to dig in a little bit more in terms of like what your day looks like, like what you're doing, so we can give a glimpse into that. So since I'm kind of mid-pivot, I'm working on building up my portfolio. So I have like a free offer right now for three small businesses, opening it up for them to be free, offering UGC services to build up my portfolio, giving them you know indefinite usage rights so I can track the ROAS of that which is basically like the success of the ad campaign. If you're listening to that thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm offering that. I'm redoing my website, getting that intact, which it's a good thing I learned web design because I can just do all this shit myself. So yeah, working on just building up that credibility in my portfolio. Soon I'll be sending out my pitches to brands, hoping to get about 20 to 25 a day, which... I need to build out like a solid template to kind of like plug in and go. But I also need to find brands that like resonate with me. While I am going to be approaching like big businesses, I want to approach ones that like have values that I vibe with. So like I'm into cruelty-free, like sustainability, like someone who's doing something different and doing something ethically is great. So I'm trying to find brands that are kind of in that space. So if you're one of those brands, hit me up, nokomaletugc at gmail.com. And we'll have all those links down below for sure. I, I think you Thank you. you hit two things really that are really important. Systems, first and foremost, are like make or break. And again, be really gracious with yourself. Like there's no perfection there. I've worked at Nike, like the biggest company in the world and their systems are questionable. Um, and then also something you said that I don't want to run over is values. A lot of people who listen to this are, you know, nine to fivers, but there's also a cohort of entrepreneurs that I know have reached out quite a bit. And what I've shared in the past is a lot of nine to fivers look up to entrepreneurs as like this beacon of like, man, that must be so cool. Like they just must have all the freedom in the world. And what you just said was really, really important values and aligning yourself with brands that you want to work with. I've given the very, very authentic take that. You know, there really is no such thing as 
this freedom that nine to fivers or even entrepreneurs seek in a capitalistic society because at the end of the day, you have a bill at the month or debt or whatever most Americans are kind of struggle with. And so mm-hmm. really quickly, I've watched a lot of examples where people have gone to be entrepreneurs or creators and pigeonhole themselves right back in a corporate environment. Talk about why values are so important to you and like what you're looking for when working with a brand. Well, it's kind of like if I'm seeking someone that's doing something different. I also want to be doing something different. You know what? I'm just going to add her. There are so many like beauty gurus out there. And one of them that I just watched and like, God, you went off the deep end is like Michaela Noguera. Cause she started, I was like, I'm not going to take deals with brands I don't like, and I'm going to be real and authentic. And it's like, okay, you used you just made content for a year trying to find your fucking wedding lip combo. You've been working with Elf for a year and a half on it. Yeah. So you're a fucking shysty bitch. <laughs> so like, I hate to like be crude, but it's like one of those things. Like people see through that. Yeah. Like I see through that. Yeah. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to fucking connect the dots. Totally. 2023 is the year of like authentic marketing. Yeah. And so whatever that means. Very true. We could talk about that. <laughs> I think it's just the money's not worth it if it's shysty, Yeah, honestly. It's so true. I mean, I give a lot of grace because I know that there are a lot of pitfalls and you can go wrong in a lot of areas and being the support to so many public figures, like I see it every day, all day. I will say that there is a way to draw a line in the sand and a lot of people I work with do that to define and be very clear with what they'll accept and what they won't accept. Yeah. I understand where people are coming from, but at the end of the day, like that money is helping people. It's a balance. If you can take the money to make it better, then, and we literally see it. At the end of the day, like the biggest thing that I look at is the business owner. Are you comfortable with this? And that's what I would phrase to anyone. It is up to you ultimately to make that choice because there's always going to be a problem. Anyone can find one. And to your point, like that was a huge thing is like, hey, like this does more good than harm. And like we see the situation that just unfolded with the Supreme Court, like, you know, it's just an environment we're in. Like there, it's just unprecedented water. So I agree. I think the biggest thing when you're looking at deals and you're looking at brands is to make that decision for you full stop. Your community matters. Don't get me wrong. But like at the end of the day, you have to make that decision for you. Yeah. And I guess with that situation too, it could have been any, which just the way that the Supreme Court is stacked, there was just no way. And I won't get too deep into that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm still like... Still having my own, like, I can't believe that, like, that that just all went down. Let's take a second, and I'm going to caveat because I think it's really important. Student loans, as we all know, is a very predatory industry, and it's was started and supported by our own government. So it's ironic that they're giving aid here. The justification that was heard from many of the justices was very interesting, mainly Clarence Thomas, whose book I freshly burned about a year ago when I found it in my closet because he signed it in college, was very interesting that they've used this as a detractor for everyone, you know, with affirmative action, with even that ruling just freshly being struck down too. Like, there's a lot of um, lies and confusion. But at the end of the day, it's up to us as community and individuals to help each other through this. 
And so, like you mentioned, you even dropped a finance tip before. I don't even think you realized it. But like paying down your loans a little bit before interest kicks in, like huge, Mm -hmm. big thing. Affirmative action. Harvard's president, love her. She came out and was like, hey, like this ruling sucks, like candidly sucks, but we're not changing how we do what we do at Harvard. And that is the biggest thing I've noticed even through the Trump era. And I know my audience, you know, I don't get super political all the time, but when I do, I really mean it. What we saw was an attempt to sabotage on our, on some of our like deepest policies. But what we learned is that when those things were gone, like us as a community should still be making sure that happens. So that's the same thing even with, when we go back to even the creator space, like, Yes, these big brands matter. Yes, like the money's great. But what we're doing right here, right now, these micro communities of lifting each other up, of referring friends, of giving business to small business, like these things are what the end of the day is what's going to make or break us as a society. Sorry, I had to go on a little rant there. No, you're fine. I also just, if you don't mind, I want to take just a second to call out the 13 senators who had collectively $16,193,961 in PPP loans completely wiped out. You know, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Greg Pence, Fern Buchanan, Kevin Hearn, Roger Williams, Brett Guthrie, or Guthrie, I don't fucking care, Ralph Norman, Ralph Abraham, Mike Kelly, Vicki Hartzler, Mark Wayne Mullen, what a fucking name, and Carol Miller, who on average, took out $1,245,689.31 per borrower. Just wiped out, gone. Clip it. That's going to that's gonna be the promo of this episode. No, it's... Yeah. You just watch the contradicting nature of which our government runs. And at the end of the day, again, just going back to where we're at today, that was a huge reason why I became an entrepreneur is a lot of those same hypocrisies and confusion and denial of just like the individual does metastasize itself in corporate. And while entrepreneurship and being a creator is tough, like I've been able to define that for myself and slowly change what I would like to think the world. So I really appreciate that piece because I think like that, honestly, like the verdicts and all of this has been on my mind. So I appreciate us talking about it. I want to kind of take a step back and pivot a little bit and ask a question I love asking of all my guests. When you look at where you're at now and where you want to go in the next six months to a year, how do you define success for yourself? That's such a good question. Financial freedom definitely comes to mind, or at least getting myself on the path, having a system in place and having that security of knowing that I can get there. Yeah. That would make me feel pretty successful. Moving out of my parents' house would be great. I guess being in your 20s is so hard because you still feel like a child. So I think, I don't know if I'll ever get there. Hopefully this is a thing that can happen, but like just feeling like an adult, be like, okay, yeah, cool. I got this. Well, I'm going to give you a look into the future. I'm 29. I still don't feel like an adult. So I don't know when that happens. I think maybe mid thirties when you have like, maybe you have kids or like something like that. I don't know. I don't know when that happens. I think it's a good thing if that doesn't happen. That's kind of how I've been rolling with it. Like if I can just stay youthful, like, Let's just do that. But no, I I totally, I totally hear that. And I, I asked that question because it's always, it's very interesting to hear the different answers. Like even yesterday is a similar nature. I think for me personally, a piece of it, I'd be lying if I didn't say a majority of it is money related, but I really have started to move that dial down to 
autonomy of time, I think, is a huge thing for me. It always has been. Like, even when I remember sitting down at my desk at the bank or at corporate at 4.45 and I wanted to leave because it was only 15 minutes till 5. And I'm like, why can't I leave right now? Like, I remember that as like a big thing for me. That's probably my number one indicator at the moment. And then obviously financial freedom is always, always, always there. Yeah. I would just like to get to a place where I don't even have to think about living my life, if that makes sense. Like if I want to go out with friends, I don't have to think about like, okay, how much do I have in my bank account? Or like, how much do I have, you know, saved here or what have you? Have I paid for gas? Like, is that bill paid? (laughs) Like, I guess just not even having to think about it. That's how I'll know. Yeah. That I'm good. That I can just go out and live my life as I want. So yeah, I guess that does kind of wrap in like the time aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Too. Yeah, that'd be real nice. I would say this is probably one of my favorite conversations because not only did we cover actionable, tangible steps, but we gave some real news. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Let us know how can we support you? Uh, You can head on over to my website, NicoleMallette.com. I think that'll be linked in the show yep, notes. Sure will be. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Nicole Millett UGC. I also have my own podcast called That Bitch from Boston. I've kind of been on a hiatus uh, just because I'm feeling stuck creatively, but now this is this has helped a lot. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I guess just to kind of connect all of our points that we touched upon today, I think there's so much going on in our personal lives and in the country and the world that like we're now... I mean, because of social media and because of these conversations, we can't ignore. And because of that, we can't stay stuck. So I'm glad that there are platforms like this that connect people and like help people learn and explore and like become multi-passionate and become experts on how to get unstuck because living a life that's stuck, it's just not living life. So I love that this is a platform that exists. I might steal some of those phrases from our website and outro. So Nicole, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. You're welcome. Just, you know, royalties, you know. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Indefinite usage rights. You can use it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked Podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com 